Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa, a spiritual community that promotes global transformation through personal transformation. At the Center, we are motivated by a compelling vision of a healthy, loving world, which we call the Global Heart Vision. This vision inspires us to bring the gifts of compassion and loving-kindness to the world through our ministries and teaching. What you are about to hear is a recording of a message delivered at the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa. Feel welcomed. Feel at home. So I've been um, watching Dr. Edwards' 6 a.m. devotional prayer whenever I get up early enough to do that. And I've noticed that he doesn't always read the reading he's supposed to read. He either changes it up or he totally ignores it. I'm going to follow his example this morning. I want us to use an alternate affirmation. And it's going to be up on stage on the screen. Read that with me, if you will. I welcome my fears with curiosity, grace, and compassion. Let's read that one more time and notice how your body feels. I welcome my fears with curiosity, grace, and compassion. I invite you to write it in your journal if you brought it with you, or to take a screenshot. I like that opening to our fears rather than facing them with strength and courage. So that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. The intention of the po- shedding a light on the possibility that we can be in the truth and the awe and wonder of who we are at the same time that we are present to what's happening in our everyday lives. That's the invitation. To begin, here's a reading from our founder, Ernest Holmes. You must learn to have confidence in life, to believe it, to trust it, to have faith in it. And you must come to feel that it returns that love and confidence, that as your love goes out to it, its love returns to you multiplied, just as it does when you love people. For love begets love. Confidence inspires confidence. And faith is met with faith. You belong to the universe. Even God has need of you. Love is really the wellspring of your life. Bringing that freedom, that grace, that trust in life, unbound by the stories that limit us, Let's explore the topic, the fear factor. There are several acronyms for fear, F-E-A-R. The first one that came to mind, slightly edited, is F-word, everything, and run. (laughs) Back in the day of saber-toothed tigers and other life-threatening hazards, fear was a survival skill. Noticing a threat and either eliminating it or running from it was crucial to survival. 
Today, it's far less common to have those instinctual, fearful reactions. Most fears these days come from stories we've told ourselves based upon childhood experiences and past events. Something reminds us of a past event. That scary memory comes alive and we look at what's happening through the lens of that experience, not through the present moment. We run away, at least metaphorically. We run in the other direction because an opportunity is too risky. Oh my gosh, we might fail. We run away because the world is a scary place and we have to protect ourselves. We run away because we're afraid of what people may say or think about us. There are so many stories that cause us to run, even when running is not our best choice. If we can't avoid whatever experience brought up the scary story, can't run away, we deny the situation. Look in the back, look away, lock it away in the back of our minds where it sits lurking until it bounds out at some point unexpectedly and more powerfully. My mother's favorite expression when the kids asked if anything was wrong was, no, everything's fine. That was our signal to prepare for something to fall apart. (laughs) Everything clearly wasn't fine, despite mom's claim that it was. In science of mind, we can drop into similar unhelpful denial. We call it spiritual bypass. When there is something difficult or challenging in life, we may believe good religious scientists are not supposed to acknowledge anything that isn't just perfect. So we ignore our human experience, discount it. Since I am one with all that is, everything's just fine. Leaping over a challenge or experience which might have something of value We miss the opportunity to be with what is, to be present in life. In this denial, we pay attention to stories that explain, contain, and limit our experience of life. Here's how Ernest Holmes sees both the facts of the situation and the truth of the unfolding reality. Physical pain is not necessarily an enemy, since it calls attention to serious conditions which need to be changed, thus enabling one to take the proper steps in rearranging their life. Therefore, we should not be bitter over it, nor become melancholy through having experienced it. Fear or any other discomfort is something that is asking for attention. Rather than deny its effect, we hold the I am of who we are as we are also available to listen to what the pain or other discomfort is about. That both and is crucial. Another way we try to avoid an uncomfortable feeling is with distraction. Here's what Mary O'Malley, author of What's in the Way is the Way, 
has to say about this strategy of distraction. The mind is a masterful denial and distraction machine. It will stay busy, it will daydream, it will distract itself with electronics. It is addicted to judging itself, lost in the endless game of trying to make itself better. It also loves to make other people responsible for its feelings. And it even indulges in compulsions and addictions that could kill it, all in order to not experience what you are experiencing. So here's the first question to write down in your journal. How do you distract yourself from being with what is? How do you distract yourself from being with what is? There's an alternative to running away from fear, denying it or distracting ourselves in hopes it will just go away. Mary O'Malley encourages us to wake up to life. Her core idea is that each of us is okay, just the way we are. She describes the okayness as the experience of being in a beautiful meadow. That's what Ernest Holmes was pointing to in the quote I read at the beginning of this talk. What's puzzling is that much of the time, we are not aware that we are in the meadow. We miss out on the experience of flow, spaciousness, light, love, stillness, the sense that it's okay just the way it is. Instead, we get caught up in what she calls the clouds of the storyteller, the voice in our head that judges, labels, complains, points out the ways we could fix things, especially ourselves. Many of the comments start with, what if such and so happens? Or, if only you did, got, had, or got rid of this or that thing, then. The storyteller has a story for every circumstance and keeps our head in the clouds of struggle rather than in the experience of the okayness of the meadow. As I was writing this talk, I received a text requesting prayer for someone who had been seriously injured. Can I stand in the truth of the essential good of life while speaking a prayer for this person? As I settle in to pray, I am present to the grief, the shock, the anger at the unfairness, acknowledging the pain of this experience for loved ones and friends. And I knew without a doubt that love accompanies the family, the medical practitioners, everyone impacted by the circumstance. They are supported, companioned, and comforted as they experience what is happening, every bit of it. I trust the unfolding, whatever it is, as I also hold the hopes and the prayers of the family 
for the best outcome. Those moments of prayer, breathing in all the difficult, unbelievable circumstances without running away into what-ifs or oh-my-gods or don't worry, everything's fine, called me into presence, acceptance, and trust. I didn't deny the impact of what happened. I was with that event while all was held in spirit. This both and is important. Mary O'Malley and other teachers are not suggesting that you hang out in the meadow where everything is just fine while ignoring what is going on in your life. The idea is, rather than be dragged off into the story, losing your center completely, that you address whatever the challenge is with a part of your attention while holding the center of truth. Address it and hold the center of truth. Mary talks about life in this way. Life is a highly intelligent, benevolent, unfolding force that includes violence and death. Life is for life, and it knows what it's doing. Yes, there is pain in life, but there is much more suffering when you aren't open to life's flow. Life is not always likable, but it is always for you. That's fundamental to our beliefs as religious scientists, that life is for us, no matter what. So what is it that we're afraid of? Do our stories create scary things that aren't actually so? I was talking with a friend the other day. She had given a talk somewhere, and after the talk, her storyteller started telling her all the things she could have done better and what didn't work and how she absolutely wasn't enough and on and on and on into the midst of that fear and drama. It happened that a week or two later, she watched her talk at a friend's house. Her response? That was actually pretty good. One of my fears has been that I would end up like my mother. All the worst stuff, of course. She suffered occasional bouts of mania. Out-of-control hodgepodge of expressiveness, acting out, creativity, and nonsense. What did I as a child take in from that experience? If I ever let myself get really carried away with enthusiasm, letting myself be out of control, I would go crazy. That fear still haunts me now and then when I'm bursting with excitement about some idea or activity. It's one of my childhood stories. Have I ever gone crazy from my passionate experience? Not once. Have I felt alive, present, exuberant in my enthusiasm? 
absolutely every time, so long as that storyteller didn't come in with its story of the fear of being crazy like my mom. That story, as well as my friend's fear about how her talk went, are examples of another acronym for fear. False evidence appearing real. The way you and I deal with fear, running away, denying it, distracting ourselves, none of these is a solution. The way to soften fear, to keep it from dragging us off into the clouds of its story, is to get to know it, to welcome it with curiosity, grace, and compassion. Getting to know our thoughts and beliefs through self-inquiry, meditation, classes, and so many other ways is a core practice in the science of mind. That practice is relevant to our relationship with fear. Before going much further, I want to briefly talk about the difference between emotions, which are sensations in the body, and feelings, which are what our mind labels as what's the message of our body. Let me give you an example. Imagine yourself standing in line waiting for something. Go ahead and imagine it. And as you're standing, you know there's, there's kind of a sense of butterflies in your belly. Just be with that sensation. You're in line waiting for something, and there are butterflies in your belly. Now, I'll give you two different scenarios about the line you're standing in. And notice what happens. Here's the first. You are standing in line to ride a huge roller coaster so your nine-year-old child or grandchild can ride it. What are you feeling? Second scenario. You are standing in line waiting to ride your favorite roller coaster. What's the feeling of those butterflies? Same scenario, same imagined bodily sensation of butterflies. When asked, your mind labeled what you were feeling, most likely differently in each circumstance. This next bit is important. Let's say you're the grandparent standing in line because you love your grandchild and will do almost anything for them even ride a roller coaster. As you are standing in line, you are caught up in your storyteller's voices. OMG, what was I thinking? Last time I did this, I just about barfed. Why do they require an adult to go with children under 10? I sure am an awesome grandparent. The storyteller is having a field day, and you're not present. Your grandchild is jumping up and down with excitement, pointing out the loops, asking how long before you get to go on the ride, and your storyteller is distracting you from the joy and experience of the present moment. The point of the story 
is not to deny the butterflies. I know from experience they're real. The point is not to get so caught up in the stories that your storyteller rattles off that you miss what is happening in the moment. When that happens, you are in the clouds of suffering and struggle. Your goal is to experience life as the subject of life, in the meadow, not as the object of a story about life in the clouds of suffering. How can you be the subject in your life, experiencing it moment to moment as it is? Curiosity is a bridge to getting to know your experience of life and the stories that take you out of the experience into ramblings. Be sure your curiosity has a generous dose of compassion and that mystical thing called grace. Hold it lightly, perhaps lightheartedly, becoming curious about your storyteller and its stories. It's not the evil villain in this tale. It is what it is, and you can get to know it. Perhaps even set an example for it, setting aside judging, blaming, making wrong, all those things that the storyteller does. Ernest Holmes has advice for, had advice for practitioners working with their clients, whom he calls patients. Imagine yourself as a good practitioner working with fear as your patient. Ernest begins. The cold statement, you are perfect and the only thing wrong with you is false belief, will never heal. It will arouse antagonism and conflict, which will reflect back and forth between the mind of the practitioner and the patient. The patient, in this case fear, should be received with sympathy and with love, with tolerance and understanding, and never with a lofty attitude that looks down from the heights of its own conceit, either with pity or condemnation. This attitude cannot heal. In the same way that Holmes, Ernest, Holmes urges practitioners to receive their patients with sympathy, love, and understanding, so I invite you to welcome your fears. Do not seek your discomforts as signs that you no, haven't yet been enlightened. See them as calling attention to stories that may no longer serve you. Here's another question for you in the coming week. What would it be like to get to know your fears rather than be afraid of them? What would it be like to get to know your fears rather than to be afraid of them? As someone observed in one of our diversity conversations, love isn't the antidote to fear. Knowledge is the antidote to fear. Welcome your fears with curiosity, grace, and compassion. You may be surprised by what unfolds. And remember, you are not alone in this exploration. Love 
is the container for all of life. Again, Holmes. Love is an essence, an atmosphere which defies analysis, as does life itself. It is that which is and cannot be explained. It is common to all people, to all animal life, and evident in the response of plants to those who love them. Love reigns supreme over all. And so your final question. What would love have you do this week? What would love have you do this week? I'll close with Ernest Holmes' version of that meadow of Okanus, what he calls spiritual experience. We need spiritual experience, a first-hand knowledge of life and reality. We can only know that which we experience. Spirituality may be defined as an atmosphere of good, the realization of God. It cannot and does not borrow its light from another, no matter how great or noble that other may be. It springs from within, coming from that never-failing fountain of life which quenches every thirst, whose source is in eternity, the wellspring of self-existence. In that wellspring of self-existence, in the meadow of okayness, fearness is nothing to be afraid of. It invites us to be present to the wonder and awe of life, every bit of it. I welcome my fears, my joys, my sorrows, all of life, with curiosity, grace, and compassion. And now please join me in prayer. There is only one life, one powerful loving presence that abides in all that is, infinite, unchangeable, and alive as that divine essence of each one of us, in, through, around, and as me, as everyone in this room, in this moment, and beyond. Held in that love, I know that I experience the allness of life, that I am open to what is, to the experience unfiltered by expectations or fears or any other lens that takes me out of the aliveness of my being. I know there is an opening available to everyone to be more fully alive, present, and available for life, which is for us. Breathing into this truth with gratitude and celebration, 
I release this word into the law and into love, knowing it done. And together we say, and so it is. Now I invite you to take another breath in and return fully to this sanctuary where I want to acknowledge each of you here present today. By your presence, by the many ways you support us, by your openness and pursuit of your spiritual journey, you bless us, each and every one. It is because of you that this is a community of spiritual living with integrity, compassion, and love. Just for a moment, recognize the gifts received and given by all of us. <laughs> 